tonight to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. Does anyone need a handout tonight? If you need a handout, anybody need one? We're good. All right, I think everyone's good. And uh, let's see. Uh, what are you doing, Martha? You need a hand, you need a, oh you need a Bible? Okay, I was just making sure. Just make, I was just taking care of you, Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. I love saying that. I'm sure that's how Jesus said to Martha too, just something like that. Martha, Martha, Martha. And so thou art cumbered about with many things. And so we're glad you're here tonight. And so, Ben, could you do me a favor and do you want to close that door for me there? That way people on the street can't see we're having church or anything like that. And so we'll be a little hidden from the street so no one's out there. What's, what are those people doing? They're doing what every Christian should be doing. They're in church. Romans chapter number 1. Two verses tonight. This should be a short message, right? Two verses, short message? Yeah, right. It never works out that way. And so, but we started out two weeks ago looking at the beginning of the book, and we were introduced to the messenger. Then last week we saw his motives, and in those first 15 verses, and so we ended in verse 15 last week. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And look what Paul says, it's where we're getting verse 16 and 17 tonight. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We see that before Paul gets into the gospel... He lays out the foundation for the book, his authority to write to the church at Rome. He talks about his motive behind it and how he loves that church and prays for them and wants to see God use them greatly. And he desires to be there to help them do what God's called them to do, but he also knows that when he gets there, they'll help him accomplish what God had for Paul to do. We get to these verses tonight, and we, as we look at this tonight, it's very interesting. Paul makes a statement about the gospel before he gets going. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why did he start that out here? Several reasons. Well, I'm going to give that to you, and then we're going to dive into, for a few minutes, some thoughts about the gospel. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll dive in. Father, we're so grateful for your love and for your mercy and for your grace. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for the gospel that we're talking about tonight. Where would we be without the gospel? We talked about this morning that a great light came while men were walking in darkness, and that's exactly what took place. But the gospel, the good news of salvation came to each of us. And as we look at this tonight, may it be a help to us, may it encourage our hearts, and may it just be something that we can use and apply in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The gospel. There is nothing more powerful in all the world than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important that anyone needs in the world today than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mentioned this morning, and we hear often, we hear talk a lot, there's a vaccine coming for the virus, and maybe life will go back to normal. You don't know if it's going to make you deformed or anything by taking it or anything like that or mess you up. I, I got to send you all a picture that someone sent me today. It was great. And so I don't feel too bad after taking the first shot, and this guy looks, did you get that, Ryan? I sent it to you, and it was a picture of Lori. No, it wasn't a picture of Lori, but anyways, um, Lori, I'm just teasing you. 
She likes me to tease her every once in a while. She feels like if I don't tease her every once in a while, I just don't really care. So I'm just letting you know I care just a little bit there, Lori. And, um, but in this world, everyone is, you have a lot of people panicking about getting a vaccine out for a virus that they say from the CDC is 99.8% you live through. No one lives through sin. The consequences of sin is death. I wish, and I'm going to talk about it tonight, I mentioned some this morning, I wish Christians cared as much about getting the gospel to this world as doctors do getting a vaccine to people for this virus. But do we? I want to talk to you tonight about a gospel that's worth sharing. Do you realize the gospel of Jesus Christ is 100% effective? It works every single time. When applied to a heart, it changes a heart every single time. It does the job. It's effective. People can be made clean. Paul says, he begins here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's kind of an interesting way to begin the book of Romans. But why would he have said that? Maybe because of the moral condition of his day? Nero was the emperor of Rome. He was a wicked, desperately wicked man. The city of Rome was a cesspool of sin and wicked living. And Paul, the gospel, opposes that type of lifestyle. And what Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Though the world might not agree with me, Though Rome might not want it, the gospel's important. I'm not ashamed of it, is what Paul's telling them. Maybe because Paul was a Jew. Jews were considered by many, you know, Jews looked down on other people, but it's always been a thing that people have always looked down on the Jews. And the Romans were no different to that. The Jews were considered by many a subhuman race, and you've seen that throughout history. They were fit for nothing but to be despised, mistreated, and enslaved. And he was a Jew. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Maybe because the gospel he was preaching was almost unbelievable to people. To think that a Jew would be born to die for the sins of the entire world. And that he would bear our sin. And all men sin. Some say that the preaching of the cross is foolishness. Isn't that what the first Corinthians, first Corinthians tells us? But to us that are saved, it's the power of God. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Everywhere Paul went, he preached about Christ. But do you, we've read about how he was uh, beaten, how he was shipwrecked. He was taken captive, all for the gospel. And Paul says, as he starts his claim to the church here in Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He wanted people to know he wasn't ashamed of it. Now that we know why he would, you think about this, are you ashamed of the gospel tonight? Who's the last person you personally shared the gospel with? Oh, they're not going to want to hear that. Or I'm, in, I'm embarrassed. 
Are you ashamed of the gospel? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And wasn't it interesting? You go through Paul's life and you look in the book of Acts, and as he stood before governors and high up people, he always shared his testimony. This is what the Lord did in my life. Hey, Christian, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that saved you and I, is worth sharing with others. People need the gospel. We're going to look at these two verses tonight and see why the gospels we're sharing. Number one, as we dive in, we see the power of the gospel. Number one, we see the power of the gospel. Paul tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Paul tells us that the gospels, it's the power of God. The word power there, it comes from a word that refers to might, energy, force, strength, that dwelt within God. And Paul is telling us here that the gospel is the power of God. God could have revealed his power any way he wanted to to man. He could have wiped man off the face of the planet if he wanted to. He could have done it in so many different ways he wanted to, but an all-powerful God decided to do something about sin, and he sent his son to die for our sins, and to take our sin debt. You think about nowhere is the power of God so visible as it is in the gospel of Christ. To think that God would take a lost sinner and save him by his grace and make a new creature out of that person, it's a powerful thing. God could have just sent us all to hell, what we deserve. But thank God for his mercy and his great love wherewith he loved us, as it says in Ephesians 2, verse number 4. When we think about it, his power, what he did in, think about tonight what he did in your life. Think about where you were before your salvation. That's the power of God that worked in your life. That's what the gospel is, the power of God. And we see, letter B, you notice that Paul's message is the gospel of Christ. Make no mistake about it. There are many gospels in our world today that people are preaching all over the place. There's a gospel of religion that will tell you to turn over a new leaf. There's the gospel of materials, materialism that says your worth is determined by what you have. Gain is the goal of life. There's the gospel of liberalism that says I'm okay and you're okay. God accepts us like we are and will take us to heaven if heaven really exists. There's the gospel of society that says, do as you please, for life is short. But Paul's message, on the other hand, is you're a sinner, and if you die in your sins, you'll go to hell. However, God loves you. He sent his son and the Lord Jesus into this world, and Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can go to heaven. Tell me, which gospel do you trust in tonight? I hope you're trusting in the gospel of Christ because it is the only true gospel. Don't ever forget it. You see, number one tonight, why is the gospel worth sharing? Because of the power of the gospel. Number two, because of the purpose of the gospel. What's the purpose? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation. What's the purpose of the gospel? Why did God go to such lengths for men? 
Why did his son die on the cross and give up heaven as his home to die for the sins of humanity? The primary reason is that he loved you and me. However, there's more to it. God's plan and God's purpose was to save his people from their sins. That was the purpose. You see, the power of the gospel, that's why we're sharing, but the purpose of it, the purpose of the gospel is salvation. That's what it's all about. The word salvation is an important word. It means safety, preservation, and deliverance. It carries the idea of being rescued from all harm and danger. And God's desire in saving sinners is for to ever spare them from spiritual death, spiritual defilement, spiritual deception, and spiritual destruction. Lest we forget, every sinner's reality is hell without the gospel. And the purpose of the gospel is all about salvation. The primary purpose of the gospel is the salvation of the lost. And church, that's our directive from God. I don't know if you've studied your Bible very much, but nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to have ladies' Christmas parties. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to have church Christmas parties. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we need to have church business meetings. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we need to have three services a week. Say, all right, fine, let's know. No, 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 time out, time out. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. This church assembles Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's when we assemble. So for you to forsake that is going against what God would have you do. But I think you get what I'm saying. We do all these things as a church. It doesn't tell us in the Bible to have children's church or a kids program. You can't find that in the Bible. You can't find nurseries are important. You don't find that in the Bible. But do you know what you do find in the Bible? That we're supposed to get the gospel to the lost. The purpose of the gospel is all about salvation. I don't know about you tonight. How many of you enjoy being saved? I do. I do. I sure hope you do tonight. I'm grateful that God would give me salvation and save me from my sins. That's a wonderful thing. We see tonight the power of the gospel. Number two, we see the purpose of the gospel. Number three, we see the plan of the gospel. The plan of the gospel. You know, religion tries to complicate things. Salvation is not complicated. The gospel message is not complicated. Verse 16 tells us, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for is the power of God unto salvation. For who? To everyone that believeth. That's salvation to everyone that believeth. You believe in Christ and what he did. That's salvation. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is simply believing what the Bible says. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not jumping in the baptistry. It's not becoming a good person. It's not walking in this church and being here at every service. The gospel plan is very simple. All you got to do is believe. I've heard so many people, that's just too simple. You want God to make it hard? Okay, you got to hop on one foot for five minutes. And after that, you got to do this or that. 
That's not how the gospel works. And last time I checked, it's not up to you and me how the gospel works. He came up with it. His son died on the cross. So instead of adding to it or taking away from it, just follow the plan. Believe him. This morning when Victoria called and I talked with her friend this morning, we were talking and he, he understood and he said, I believe in Jesus and I want to get saved. He said, that's salvation in a nutshell. That's what it's all about. It's your belief in Christ. And that's the plan behind it. You notice it says, to everyone that believeth. It makes it perfectly clear that biblical salvation does not involve complicated religious rituals or anything of that nature. Get this. Salvation is a product of faith and faith alone. That's salvation. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, for without faith, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Salvation is a product of faith and faith alone. Isn't it so wonderful? You think about it. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Think about before salvation, you're dead in your sins. God gives you grace and he gives you the faith. He gives you those gifts. There's nothing a dead man can do to get salvation, nothing. That's why the plan, you believe in Christ. Christ did it all. The Holy Spirit quickens the heart. And it's just amazing how all that works. But we see the plan of salvation and this is where many people stumble. Because people like to do things for themselves. A lot of you say in this room, you don't like people doing things for you. You want to do it yourself. You're independent. Some of you stubbornly independent. I'm not going to mention any names there. But a lot of people feel like I have to do something for my salvation. How many people have I talked to? There must be something that I do. No, Jesus paid it all. He took care of it all. And the plan is the gospel's for anyone who believes, and people like to do it for themselves. It's all about God. Salvation comes to the person who is willing to simply receive and believe the blessed message of Christ, the gospel. You see, why is the gospel we're sharing tonight? Because of the power behind it. Because of the purpose behind it. Because of the plan of the gospel. Number four, the pledge of the gospel. The pledge of the gospel. This gospel save, this great saving gospel message is for every person in the entire world. The verse says there, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The pledge of the gospel, the gospel's for everyone. Do you have Revelation twenty two seventeen back there? The Bible tells us, and this is right at the end of the New Testament, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Whosoever will may come to the Lord. Whosoever means anyone. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 6, verse 37, 
And all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You come to Christ for salvation, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter your status in society, God will receive you no matter what. Say, will God receive the most wicked sinner that's killed someone? Yup. Yup. Say, how could he do that? Because this is what we do. We as the people of God, we like to look at sin, and we like to label sin from worst, least to the greatest. Do you know all sin is sin? Don't ever lose sight of that. There is no sin that God won't forgive. There's one sin that's unforgivable, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Coming up this next year on a Sunday morning, we'll talk about this a whole Sunday morning, but I'll give you the gist of it. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? When God convicts you of your need for salvation, the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, and many people resist that. And so later on, the Spirit convicts you again, and you resist, He convicts you, you resist, you die in your sins, and you've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Because the only thing that's not forgivable is not receiving Christ. And when the Holy Spirit convicts your heart of your need for salvation and you deny that, that's when blasphemy of the Holy Spirit comes into play. The only thing not forgivable, and I sure hope that's a church member going back there right now and not anybody else. And uh, you never know. Who could it be? Get your gun ready. Somebody. No, I'm just kidding. And um, where was I going before that? But we're talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that's not forgivable. But we look, oh, God would never forgive a murderer. Yes, he would. God would never forgive an adulterer. Yes, he would. Say, I would never do those things. Sin is sin. And sometimes we look, and my sin's not as bad as your sin. But let's say that person never sinned, and you only told one lie in your entire life. Jesus Christ still would have had to die on the cross for your lie. You have Christians who look at homosexuality and say, God couldn't save them. Oh, yes, he can. Just like he can save you. Don't think you're any better. Just because your sin is different than someone else's sin, your sin still nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. And you need to get off your little high horse and realize that all sin is level at the foot of the cross, and sin is sin. And when you start saying certain people can be saved and certain people cannot, remember the woman was brought before the Lord that was taken in adultery? And Jesus said, okay, he's without sin, let him cast the first stone. They all left. Jesus could have thrown the first stone because he was sinless. But he said, hey, lady, go and sin no more. Don't get so stuck on other people's sin. Look at yourself and where you're at. I'm so thankful that the gospel is for all. And the pledge of the gospel is that anyone who hears the message and needs the cure can be saved by God's precious grace. Many people have a problem, though, in that verse. They don't like the way it's worded, and it's because they just don't understand. Don't ever get a problem with the way God words something in the Bible, okay? If you ever look at something and it just, you know, I just don't like the way, that, and I've heard people say that about this verse. You just don't understand how it's meant. The end of the verse says there, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That shouldn't bother you. Well, do you mean gospel is to the Jews first? No, you've got to understand and put it in context here. 
the Jews were not God's first priority. The Jews are who God worked through. It all started with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his son, and led down the line. The Jews rejected him, but when it gives an order here, it says to the Jew first, that's because that's the line that God used to bring Christ into the world. It's not saying the Jews have a higher priority in God's eyes, because if you really look, when Jesus' ministry began, where was one of the first places he went? He went to the Samaritan woman at the well. Right? All people matter to him. It's not a priority issue here. It's just the fact, and what you've got to understand it is, it just means he came through the line of the Jews. It's to the Jews first. The Jews were the ones who got the Scriptures first. God used their line. But it's also to the Gentiles, and thank God for that. And I'm so thankful for that tonight. And the Lord, and I'm so, and when we think about that, his own they received him not. And salvation's available to all of us. And that's such a powerful thing. And these this verse where it says to the Jew first and also to the Greek, it also makes it clear that salvation's for everyone, regardless of race, regardless of social standing regardless of education, regardless of ability, regardless of wickedness, there's nothing that prevents anyone from being saved if they want to be saved. The pledge of the gospel is that it's for everyone, everywhere. If God started placing restrictions on salvation, then you and I probably would have been excluded from it. I'm so thankful that he didn't. We see tonight the power of the gospel. We see the purpose of the gospel. See the plan of the gospel. We see the pledge of the gospel. And number five, and lastly tonight, we see the product of the gospel. We look at verse number 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. What's the product of the gospel in the life of the believer? Righteousness. What it is. You see, man has two great problems. Are you ready? The first problem is man thinks that he's righteous and is therefore acceptable to God. That's what man thinks. I do good things. How many times have I witnessed somebody, I'm a good person? Man thinks that he's righteous and therefore acceptable to God with our righteousness. But the Bible makes it clear that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And what, when we think about this, what you got to realize is this, we are absolutely wrong when we think this. Because why? Man is not righteous and cannot produce righteousness by self-will or his own works. It's impossible. We would never meet God's standard of righteousness on our own. That's why good works can't get us to heaven. That's why baptism doesn't get us there because we can't produce that righteousness within us. However, when a person, when faith is placed in the gospel message and Jesus is believed in on the heart, God takes the sinner, you and me the sinner, and declares us to be righteous. How wonderful that is. What man cannot do by effort God does by his power. You see, tonight when God looks at Brian Pattison, he doesn't see Brian. He sees Christ. I was imputed righteousness. In a few weeks when we get to Romans chapter number four, you'll see more about that imputed righteousness. 
It was given to me the day I got saved because my righteousness couldn't save me. The only thing that could save me is Jesus' righteousness, and that's what God sees when he looks at me. If you think about this, simply stated, everything man looks for in a religion, peace with God, acceptance by God, a right relationship with God, are all given to the believer when he receives the gospel message. That is a message worth sharing. We look at that last phrase, it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. What does that little phrase mean, from faith to faith? It simply refers to the fact that the believer's life is to be one of faith in God. And as a life is lived in faith, the righteousness of God is revealed in the believer's life. Let me make sure you understand something tonight. You don't all of a sudden one day, all right, I have the faith in Christ to get saved, and I'm good with faith the rest of my life. No, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That's the Christian life. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith, right? And so the Christian life the entire time is, how is the right, how is God revealed? How does he reveal himself in our lives? It's revealed from faith to faith. So you put your faith and trust in Christ, that's a great first step. But then the Christian life begins. And God tells you, hey, Christian, this is something you should do. And your, your next step, it's from faith to faith. And when you meet this thing, from faith to faith again. And then again, faith to faith. Faith to faith. Faith to faith. Die over. That's life. It's faith to faith. Your faith never stops. Faith must keep growing. What did Paul say? I have finished my course. And look at what he said. I kept the faith. And the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith to faith. Faith is the way to the life. That's the way a child of God should live their life, by faith. Very important. We've been given a gospel that's worth sharing. We've been given a gospel that changed our lives in this room. The power of the gospel took me as a young boy, a six-year-old boy, and changed my eternity. The power of the gospel changed my life. The purpose of the gospel was to save this young man at that age from going to hell. God's plan for it was all I needed to do was put my faith and trust in him. Didn't matter if I was a six-year-old boy or if I'm a 60-year-old man. It's the same for all. And the pledge is that God will save anyone. Old, young, white, black, lots of money, no money. And the product is he puts his righteousness on us. See, church tonight, you have a gospel that's worth sharing. Don't keep the gospel to yourself. Be like Paul. Paul said, I am ready to get the gospel to you. I'm not ashamed. And you look around our world, our world's getting to the point where a lot of people don't want to hear about the gospel. We need Christians who will stand up for the gospel anyways. Don't be ashamed of it. The gospel's worth sharing. And we as the people of God need to share the gospel. We're going to look at over the next several weeks what happens 
when faith is rejected. And in honesty, when you look at it, you look, you go back to John chapter number one, and I'm right at seven o'clock, so we're right, finishing right on time. But in John chapter number one, the Bible tells us that, there, that God puts a little bit of light in every man that comes into this world. And the Bible tells us here in verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God, righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What's either going to happen is that little bit of light that people are given, they're either going to want Christ or they're not. The more you want him, the more he's going to reveal himself to you, and eventually you'll trust him and get saved, and he'll reveal himself to you. But the opposite spectrum is where you reject that. And instead of getting lighter, your life grows darker and darker to where mankind starts doing things that mankind never should have done. Men being with men, women being with women. That's what the rest of the chapter talks about. The farther a society goes away from God and the darker it gets, the harder things get and the more unnatural things those people do. That's what we're going to see the rest just in chapter 1. I told you, this the book of Romans, we're going to be here till next December, a year from now, unless the Lord takes us home. It's going to take a whole year from now to get through the book. There's so much powerful things here. I hope you'll be here and be part of it. So that's just a little sneak preview for next week.